Tomatoes Podcast. Welcome, beautiful listener, to the Humidus Podcast once more. With Hammer and Steph, of course, at the helm of this ship, sailing into a vast sea of gaming news and rants. Hello, Steph. Hey there. It's good to be back. Uh, this is our first podcast of 2021. Mm, yeah. the, the year in which the world will start putting out its horrible dumpster fires, hopefully. Yeah, we can always live in the hope, you know? <laughs> no, let's, uh, let's just uh, put an end to that horrible pile of dumpster fire that was 2020 and uh, let's move on. Let's move on. And uh, I mean, the the 2020 year in gaming seems to be getting off at a very good start, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah. <laughs> You're not, not quite agree. I, I don't know. I had to kind of like um, think as to like what's coming out that I'm really looking forward to. And uh, for me, the only thing that comes to mind, like explodes to my mind is like, Dark Tide. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to generate some hype, you know. It's not, <laughs> it's not, really, it's not really anything, you know, really great at the horizon. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, <clears throat> uh, today, beautiful <laughs> listener, we are going to discuss uh, the recent uh, news about uh, the Elder Scrolls. Uh, which is apparently going to be set to Hammerfell. Mm -hmm, yeah. The Elder Scrolls 6. Um, and um, yeah, can't. do you want to kind of lead in on that? All I can say, since I, I don't know too much about Hammerfell, other than it's the home of the Red Guards and, you know, it um, has a lot of deserts. I think it's going to be nice to see a previously largely unexplored place in in Tamriel, you know, because yeah, Cyrodiil, I thought well, it was nice, but it was very you know kind of generic, and mm -hmm. then Morrowind was very unique, but yeah, but also you know very dark and murky, and like it looked like Nurgle just let out a small stinky one there, yeah, and uh, then Skyrim. Skyrim was also a beautiful place to set a game, but I've yeah. never been that partial to sort of, you know, Scandinavian settings. You know what I mean? Like, no. I, I don't know why. Yeah. I, it's Me beautiful too. and all that. It's just, and it, probably kind of ironic since I am Norwegian, but it's just, I don't know. I, I like more tropical settings, I guess, a little bit more lush. Mm, yeah. So, Grass is always greener, always greener. On the other side, yeah. Give me the palm trees. What you have? <laughs> yeah, give, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but uh, it's strange to say that because I kind of feel the same that these northern and Norse-ish kind of settings are, I don't know, a little bit boring. Yeah. <laughs> somehow, somehow they are. <laughs> There's gonna so, be some yeah. uh, Scandinavian diehards out there being like, "Oh my god, you don't know how nice it is to go with a quick lunch chocolate, and you can't even appreciate that on a field trip or a hike." I'm just like, nah, nah. Family. But I, I, yeah, yeah, I can certainly appreciate that. It's not that. It's just 
that's not what I look into gaming for, you know. You don't want to slay dragons while you eat your quick lunch? Oh, no. <laughs> well, that would be actually, you know, quite nice to have quick lunch as like a small snack because, you know, slaying dragons, fucking caloric deficit galore, you know. So <laughs> yeah. you need to kind of keep even on the blood sugar and yeah. that quick lunch. <laughs> you make a, a good point. Tool. Yeah. Quick Lunch is, uh, is a great tool. For those of you who don't know, it's it's basically like a Kit Kat, yeah. only a little bit different. Uh, and Norwegians just uh, love it for for taking on a hike just to get that sugar, you know, because you always need that sugar climbing the mountains. That's, uh, yeah, sugar deficiency is the most uh, commonly faced danger of going on a hike, especially in Norway. <laughs> Back to the topic of issue. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be a deserty kind of environment. Mm -hmm. uh, probably, uh, yeah, probably uh, inspired by some like Eastern culture setting. Maybe a little bit of um, Arabic, a Arabic culture <laughs> in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you, when you saw the Red Guards. In Skyrim, the the ones that are part of that side quests in uh, yeah. White Run, you know they have like these turbans and they have like the mm -hmm. the curved sabers and everything. So I guess it's yeah. fair to expect that. Yeah. So you know, I don't, I don't uh, consider myself a uh, lore specialist on the Elder Scrolls series, but um, <laughs> it's going to be something with turbans, okay. <laughs> <laughs> very peaceful. great deduction yeah. <laughs> and, and uh but also even more excitingly is that you know the, the netflix is developing an elder scrolls series which yeah, they yeah. say is gonna be about as big as the witcher and did you watch the witcher i did yes and uh, that was a very good series it was and if they are bringing that same level of dedication and you know love for the source material, mm -hmm. you know I'm pretty excited for this. And because Netflix yeah. has really proven that they they do they they take this seriously and they can make good stuff with existing properties. Yeah. So you yeah. know I think also that for the Elder Scrolls with its vast history and all the legends and all these things that have happened, it's it's really easy to just you know make stories there whether they are connected to the games or not i mean yeah they've proven that they can do it so this is uh generating some hype at least among us but truth is i i haven't seen much buzz around it in other areas no. though no but I I don't know, this article that I read was uh, published on the December 20 or 31st. Yeah. So it's kind of really fresh. But yeah, I haven't seen a lot of kind of buzzle with it. Maybe they need to promote, you know, do some promotional materials uh, or something to get and generate a little bit more discussion. But I would expect this to be kind of hype, wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, I guess. Maybe once they release the first uh, photos from the set or yeah, some more like proper statements from, you know, the producer or whatever, you know, like like they did with the Witcher. Yeah, all right. 
I, I do remember all the buzz the Witcher got when they released the first uh, picture of the Nilfgaardian soldiers in armor. Oh, yeah. And everybody <laughs> thought it was like mocap suits. <laughs> it's just mm. like, because it looked fucking dreadful. But, yeah. you know, it didn't turn out that bad when you actually saw it in the show. So No, no, it was okay. It was definitely okay. But the first pictures, though, they, they were not promising. It looked like LARPing no. people. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm pretty psyched. And Netflix is, like, very available. You know, it's easy to kind of... Almost everybody has, like, a um, Netflix subscription, so... This might kind of normalize this type of of uh, adaption. Mm -hmm. I think so. Even more so than like The Witcher did, because I feel that Netflix they're kind of on a roll with these uh, adaptions. They're like, I don't know. I think their strategy is just to pour money to keep like dominance of mm -hmm. the streaming kind of wars. <laughs> you know, yeah, with, uh, Disney and HBO and Apple, and especially. They've, in lieu of the pandemic, they've really tried to use their sneaky chaos tendrils <laughs> yeah. into the the cinema culture and all that as well, trying to sneak a bigger portion of the pie away from from cinema. Yeah, definitely. Like the, there's some scene she scheming in there. Yeah, and um, <laughs> you know, what once once that happens, I I don't remember if we discussed this before, but you know, HBO was doing that whole thing. Uh, with um, with Warner Brothers and like, you know, they they yeah. wanted to show all their movies, like stream all the movies coming this year yeah. on HBO Max at the same time. But then it had a fallout where several of the directors of of these movies that were would be affected have started have disputed it and you know tried to fight back against it and prevent it, especially. Yeah. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, the guy who makes uh, Dune, he uh -huh. was like, yeah. nah, dude, if I can prevent this. No. Yeah, he, he was not happy yeah. about it. Yeah, I guess that's kind of like, a, I don't know, I don't want to call it a cultural thing, but, you know, these directors, they want to, they, they look at their creations as art and not as kind of financial, you know, ends to, means to an end. So they want it. You know, they want a grand premiere, you know, where yeah. people can enjoy their art and their product. Uh, and I don't think that the the kind of reach is that important. Of course, it is important. But the the grandeur of having a, a big premiere at the movie theater, I feel that that's kind of important, you know, for for a director, at least. Mm -hmm, yeah. So I can I can see why they're not as. Uh, willing to go along with that yeah and like i mean as an artist and especially one that is as esteemed as you know that level of director why wouldn't you want the grandiose opening and why wouldn't you want your piece of art to be appreciated in the most visually intense and immersive um you know experience possible so yeah sure i i for a second there i thought you were gonna say as an artist myself <laughs> <laughs> yes of course. Yeah. you were gonna speak on behalf of artists everywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course you know me you know me I, yeah yeah i know you <laughs> <laughs> i mean i, I create you're, you're quite creative though aren't you Seth? You, uh, i mean not. I, I've Literally. recently taken to creating uh, paintings the Fulgrim way, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With blood and other stuff. And excrement. Put it and in excrement. a bag. Just shake the bag. Just toss it on a canvas. And like smear all over it. Just take your hands and feet and just go crazy. Just tap dance. Scream <laughs> while you're doing it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then it just creates such an immense amount of warp energy that yeah the, the the picture or the the canvas basically gets demon possessed and then instantaneously you know, mind you instantaneously and then you know it's it's uh it's beautiful to behold uh <laughs> and, and that's gonna be the plot for the exorcist 5 and yeah are you gonna is that straight to hbo max or is that have a premiere? <laughs> no. You're the di director of that, right? I, I mean, um, in order to get like that obscure and kind of like warpy feel to the image, mm -hmm. you need it to be a little bit like. I want it to premiere on VHS. Right, right, <laughs> right. It's gotta be retro. It's gotta be that that uh, analog feel. There's gonna be some limited <laughs> editions on Laserdisc. <laughs> okay yeah yeah sure <laughs> for those of you who know still have a laser disc player I, I, i'm also in talks with uh trying to get it onto a game boy color but we'll see how that works sure i mean the game boy color had some fucking weird shit on it like did you remember the the game Boy printer that, <laughs> yeah. and the camera you could yeah. like take a picture with i don't know what four pixels on it <laughs> and, and print that out it was amazing too because you could put these stamps on it. Yeah, right, right. The stamps. I forgot that. I, I remember mean, my buddy had actually had that that setup with the camera and the printer. Yeah, it was like, I mean, they were quite expensive as well. I remember thinking that I was like, uh, I'm not going to buy this if I can buy a game instead. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and that was that. So I never got one. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't really know why they would make something like that. But then, you know, they also have the Workboy thing that was recently shown. Um, that was like this kind of obscure appendix to one of the first Game Boys where you could actually attach like a keyboard to it and you could kind of use it to do office work. Sure. That sounds like Nintendo. Jesus. <laughs> they always try to, they really, they tried to do that with the DS as well. Mm -hmm. Remember all the like, and that was to be fair, a, a little uh, actually quite useful. They had the Sudoku and the, like the brain workout stuff. Mm. It was yeah, quite good actually, and they had like a lot of different software for that thing. But by the time it came to that, to to the DS, you know, they already had that stylus and uh, touch screen thing going for it, and you know, yeah. already just that made it like such a more compatible. <laughs> piece of hardware for these kind of like artisty endeavors you know yeah did you ever try mario paint on the super nintendo i think maybe you you're a little bit too young for that that was like a very nintendo thing also and and you could like buy a mouse for for your super nintendo and it was basically a, a rudimentary paint program where you could paint and do very basic animations and uh compose some, some music it was oh, wait, what yeah it was quite fun you should check it out it's it's quite a good uh like software actually and 
I mean, it was a little bit limited in in terms of being able to kind of export and uh, publish your your creations. But I think that that was like the the humble beginnings of many an artist, many an artist uh, that you know still going strong today. Well, the, the, the state thing. secret, the humidus vault of secrets, uh, actually revealed that most of our uh, jingles are made with that software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We painstakingly export it from like a custom cartridge uh, that you plug into the SNES and like export the what MIDI something tunes. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, that's um, that's a true story actually. But uh, what were we talking about? The Elder Scrolls Netflix. Yeah, yeah. the Elder Scrolls Netflix show. I I, I mean yeah. What would you want to see out of that? Like, what what kind of setting would you want? Would you want it to like be like kind of connected to the games, or would you want it to be like a brand new thing in a very in a different time? I think that it's it's very hard to make a good drama or like action and fantasy using a game as a basis, like the story of a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that a lot, I don't know, it's maybe the Witcher is a little bit easier, you know, uh, the, I feel that the Elder Scrolls is a little bit harder to kind of nail down. Yeah. It's, you know, the settings are very diverse and yeah, I don't know. It's hard to kind of predict where they're going with this, but I feel that it's, maybe it's a bit hard to write something compelling, you know, based on the game's alone and that they'll i think they'll kind of use the the universe more you know mm-hmm. and just kind of make up maybe a new cast to to and a, and a new story to fill this world with. yeah and also at the time of recording or like last i checked i remember i was looking for audiobooks uh, back when I was doing that really monotonous physical labor work, uh, where I just listened to audiobooks all day, I was always on the lookout for new fantasy. And I remember looking for novels set in the Elder Scrolls universe. But back then, they were like only a couple, and they didn't get very good reviews either. They were, they were like, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. Please, please, if any of you out there have read any of them and, and believe otherwise feel free to prove me wrong um i'd rather there be a good book about it but you know and that also creates a little bit of worry for me about about the show because like on one hand if they take something completely new it can go either way um and we have like no clue but on the other hand they could it also creates that kind of like a little bit of excitement be like yeah we're gonna explore a different part of Elder Scrolls history and in live action format. Great. Um, but then they could also pull uh, Disney Star Wars and be like, we heard all you guys talking about the Old Republic. We heard you. Here's the High Republic. Yeah, it can be like that. I I mean, there's nothing revealed yet. I, I understand what you mean by the, the uh, kind of tendency to misinterpret what fans want. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, the fans are like a nurgly mass. You know, it's a little bit hard to pick out <laughs> yeah. an organ to focus in on. <laughs> uh, 
one organ in the amorphous blobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the rotting desecration that once was something distinguishable. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't quite know, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what they can pull out of their hats. And um, I, I got one, one suggestion. <clears throat> Instead of the best setting, what, what would be the shittiest setting you could imagine in the Elder Scrolls for a live action show? The shittiest setting? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, imagine this, like a sitcom style romantic <laughs> comedy series, uh, <laughs> with like, you know, uh, a setting, maybe like in, in a Skyrim setting, living in like a small town and stuff like that with, you know, dragons and giants roaming about, you know, <laughs> disrupting <laughs> daily life. And <laughs> I mean, this is not a set shitty setting at all. No, <laughs> it's better than I expected. <laughs> no, I, I can't do it. I mean, a sitcom would be uh, very unexpected, <laughs> but it, but might might be you know cool. <laughs> mm. Mm, yeah, Im imagine if we, if it would be like a sitcom, be like Days in the Lives of Vivek or or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that could work. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that, that, that was way better than I expected. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, it's hard to make something that's bad. So yeah. I, I was thinking about like a very involved and meticulous documentary about the life of uh, life cycle of mud crabs. But even that would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that would be, you know, yeah, that would be interesting for sure. I mean, <laughs> some people enjoy that kind of insanely in-depth lore. I mean, uh, all right. Yeah. Like in, in 40K, it's like some areas of the lore is on that level <laughs> almost, you know? <laughs> what? It's like a documentary style. I mean, it, yeah. And for the Elder Scrolls, there's just so much that's like unexplored in live action. But, you know, if, if we're going by like the more realistic kind of like uninteresting kind of setting maybe something like uh they try to adapt like the civil war between the stormcloaks and imperials yeah yeah i i see what you're what you're saying i mean yeah it, i think they're gonna they're gonna do like something like that because they want to have a mass appeal with this they don't want it to be too niche either because they they want to generate you know interest but imagine so, if that was a sitcom and then <laughs> essentially <laughs> <that's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have like the stormcloak boss i don't remember his name and he just sits there at his like table and then suddenly general Tullius just breaks in the door like kramer does in seinfeld and there's the laugh track <laughs> yeah of course the laugh track that's you know that's the hallmark of a good sitcom <laughs> Oh yeah. Now we'll just have to wait and see, I think, because you know, this is um still very early days. <laughs> yeah. uh, but in uh you know, uh segueing on, not related at all, uh <laughs> some some GTA six assets was apparently found recently in the files of Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. Um well I read through that article and 
it's very thin. They kind of claim that it might hint at a 1980s setting. Yeah, so Vice City, Um, I guess. Yeah, like a Vice City style, but it's. I mean, they they they're going off of like file names. So what they're basically they found some file names for for uh, some weapons. Yeah, that are similar to what uh, how weapons were named in GTA Five but not like 100% similar. And the models of the weapons mm-hmm. were, you know, in vogue <laughs> in, in that general period. And that's how they found, I mean, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> I, I think, I do think there is some merit to this though, because yeah, like sure. if you look at it on another perspective, right? In terms of the new GTA games, like the newer since like from 360 mm-hmm. and up, you have yeah. you have GTA 4 that was basically GTA 3's city, right? And then yeah. you had GTA 5, which was San Andreas, um, mm-hmm. Los Santos. So I mean, yeah, the next one would be Vice City. That would make sense to me. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, because they're kind of going going around the loop. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, mind. that makes sense. And the I mean, the I think that it's also based on a rumor that it's going to be you know 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be like cartel style stuff. Yeah. Uh, but still, I think that it's quite it's quite a reach. <laughs> like the, the argument is that the L1A1 rifle was produced between 1954 to 1999. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's like, okay. But isn't that... Uh, the, yeah, that's one of the RT warfare guns, isn't it? Uh yeah, the L1A1. Let's see. I can't. I didn't check that out, but I'm. No, fuck me. No, it's it's yeah. actually one of the the FALs. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's in um, the SLR basically. If you've played, uh, if you've played uh, PUBG. Oh yeah, Let, let's continue the trend. What would be the shittiest thing they could do with this setting for GTS? I mean, the shittiest period, or no, no, just the shittiest. Let's say it's a GTA Six. It's it's like in in nineteen eighties, right? Mm-hmm. It's in it's yeah. in Vice City, but then what's the shittiest thing they could do with that? <laughs> I mean, it's just gonna turn out awesome again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I was gonna say uh, you could do like a um, Stranger Things, you know, kind of like. Uh, you know, '80s kid style game <laughs> where where you're basically a kid and uh, you try to I don't know fight some kind of government conspiracy. Grand and, Theft D20. Yeah, as and you you kind of walk around and do everything like like an adult, but you're just basically a kid with no teeth, <laughs> <laughs> lisping you right through. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's not too awesome, but. I can't really I, um, twist. Yeah, I would trust Rockstar with making something awesome out of it, um, but I think if you expect GTA and you get that, <laughs> yeah, that that might be a letdown. But I mean, you said the shittiest kind of. I don't know how to <laughs> twist GTA to be like, you know, really. It's always awesome, you know, whether because you kind of play someone else's life and you have full reign over it so that's an awesome feeling you know i actually uh oh, i have a couple of ideas you yeah. know 
So for example, let's say it is the most awesome like expansion or like development and evolution of GTA 5's uh, what GTA 5 did, right? It's like it yeah. has everything that's perfect like great next gen graphics. It has like a huge sprawling 80s world uh from everything from like vice city down to you know cuba whatever you do all these kind of like yeah. you can build your own cocaine empire whatever yeah except yeah. except every time you want to reload your gun or steal a car it becomes a five minute puzzle game oh yeah that would ruin it that would ruin it <laughs> and, and yeah the the background sounds of those puzzle games will just be a random Age of Empires or or um, Heroes Three soundbite on loop. Okay, <laughs> I mean that would be very random if they actually did that. That would be insanely okay. That would be annoying. But what about this? They do that, and but they add the option to pay the way through it with micro transactions. Oh, even better, macro transactions. <laughs> macro transactions. Yeah, I mean that would that would fucking suck. If that, uh, because the fluency of the game, oh, that would fuck, and and like a perfect implementation of the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. it would be perfect. It would be the best game you ever played, but you always had to go through like a fucking mini game every time you had to reload your gun or jack a car. And there, there is um, since obviously you know there's gonna be the the producers are, are gonna make it like a super crunch for the developers so mm. they're gonna have to push it out half baked so, such as cyberpunk was but here mm. the thing is that there's a 60 percent chance that every time you load your save it gets permanently unfixably corrupted oh jesus that would be but that would if if it was like that it would be a no-go you know it would be slaughtered but i mean Imagine the crunch time on GTA and like, Jesus, that GTA Five was such an insanely polished game. I mean, yeah. RD Two was <clears throat> like that as well, but I feel that that was more of a. They had a little bit more time on that one, or they didn't kind of announce it almost, you know, before it was ready. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worked like for years and years before they announced it. Uh, but yeah. Imagine like working, but what do you think? I, they say they're gonna focus on single player on this one as well, mm-hmm. and I pray to fucking god that they are going yeah. to do that. But when you see GTA Online and what kind of cash cow that is for them, it kind of gets your doubts, you know? Yeah, in these cases, uh, blessed does the mind too small for doubts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you kind of keep that. Keep that simplistic imperial citizen vibe going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just hope they continue doing what they did, as in, like, uh, they just keep them separate. Mm. Um, that, you know, they... Yeah. for In GTA Five, I thought it was a, a great, you know, way of separating the two, because or, like, giving doing each justice to, to a certain extent, because story mode... And the single player GTA Five, I thought was really great. Online oh, yeah. started out horrible; uh, it was a very yeah. rocky launch. Yeah. But then it just gradually grew into this massive behemoth. 
And yeah. arguably, they didn't learn too much in Red Dead, except when it came to online launch. But the story mode there too was amazing, right? But then they also tried to shape online into this big thing. So I hope they just keep the trend of that and just improve the launch state of the of the online component instead, instead of yeah. just like trying to make it some kind of um, mobile free to play oh, yeah. bullshit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel that that, that's the only kind of big caveat or the big thing that can go wrong is if they kind of skew it a little bit too much towards the online play. Because, uh, I mean, maybe I'm a boomer like that, but I feel (laughs) that the the single-player experience was so rock-solid and it's always been insanely satisfying. Yeah. Maybe four was not that satisfying, but it was okay. Uh, But still, five was insane. Four. Ah. It was a. I mean, I'm not saying it was bad, but maybe the worst one for me. Right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but still, uh, five was insane. You know, I think the single player was genius, and I I almost wish that it was had some expansions, you know, or and had some because I would have played that game over and over again with only like a couple of new car models. And I know there are mods, you know, but there's just something about the real developers implementing stuff. Yeah, there um, is. It comes with like a, a higher guarantee of quality, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and kind of, I mean, I know they had like heists and all that online, but I had like a very bad experience like you with the launch of yeah. online. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh fuck this shit! I'm not gonna play this." And also the social club, I kind of hate. <laughs> and I yeah. actually bought the game. I I own it on PlayStation, and I bought it for a PC just for the first person and you know the improved graphics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first time I tried to launch it, it, took such a fucking long time with all the listen sign-ins and you know the online stuff, the the social club stuff. I just never played it again. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. The social club is dreadful, but um, yeah, I also wish they added expansions. To be honest, uh, because mm-hmm. like GTA Four, the um, episodes of Liberty City is that what it's called? The yeah. collection of expansions uh, or standalone stories. Those were some of the best content of four, especially Ballad of Gay Tony. It was hilariously good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ballad of Gay Tony was insane. And it's lauded as a very like good part of the GT. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Episodes of Liberty. That's right. It's like rated through the roof. Right. And you can, so, that one is, you know, they were smart enough that they realized they could just um, release that as a standalone. And it costs like probably dirt cheap right now. And that one is so worth it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's what I mean. People like us, you know, old boomer gamers love these single player experiences from from Rockstar, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would pay 700, 800 kroner, you know, not dollars, of course, but that's um, like, yeah, <laughs> almost $100 for for like a good game like that. I, I don't fucking care. If it costs a lot, as long as it you know delivers, delivers the goods. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I get that. Yeah, I I, I kind of share that sentiment. Though I I hope it's not gonna be a hundred dollars. Um, <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, everybody hopes that, but 
honestly, <clears throat> let's say they they make like an insane GTA six, and uh, they say oh, we're going to focus on the game, we're going to support it, we're going to patch it post launch with content. It costs a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's just hope that they've learned the third time's the charm when it comes to better launch. I hope also that their PC port is going to get more love this time. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of been you know their focus is on console, understandably because of the large installer base. But yeah, I mean PC is a very established platform, and a lot of hardcore you know gamers tend to play on PC, and with like controller support and stuff like that. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to port it to get like an okay experience at least. What do you think? It's hard to say. Um, since... <laughs> yeah, since you don't know how to port, like. From... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and I assume that those games are very, you know, mechanically advanced, and like there's a lot of things that have to go smoothly uh, when and and such because they they messed it up pretty much on GTA Five and they on GTA Four and on Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I hope that they make it more that they kind of like design it for multi-platform from scratch. Um, yeah, yeah. Just a hope of mine. But, but then again, yeah. I'm just a plebe. Yeah, a hundred dollars for that. I would pay a hundred dollars for it. I mean, I feel that, that if you can guarantee quality, then money isn't you know that important. You buy a lot of shitty games, you know, anyway. So <laughs> yeah. if you just kind of concentrate that flow of money into one expensive title, then I feel that that would be worth it. I mean, I'll if just get could... it on the Series X. <laughs> if it yeah. hooks up on yeah. PC. But I mean, you have a Series X, so yeah, you I should get it on the Series X. That's a lot easier. That's why, you know, that's why what consoles are for, just to kind of get that quick easy easy to play just it's not buggy it's optimized you pick up the controller and just go that's kind of the with pc it's like yeah the latest nvidia driver hasn't come out yet so your game's fucked yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> moving on a little bit we also have one kind of indie news article today <laughs> because uh the Binding of Isaac Rebirth is going to get an, a DLC. Uh, and you haven't played that game at all, as I understood. I think I've just watched you play it, and I know that you are very fond of it. At least the first one. Very fond of it. So, for those of you who don't know, the, the Binding of Isaac was a standalone solo pro project from Edmund McMillan. And... Um, he basically uh, programmed it and made the art almost all by himself, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had maybe one like partner for the art. And now he has like a team around him, and they decided to remake the game for uh, in a better engine to kind of yeah weed out a lot of the bugs and and make like a big a better overall experience. So they made. Binding of Isaac Rebirth, which also adds a little bit to the original game, mm -hmm. and now that that Rebirth uh, Second Edition is getting a, another uh, package of content, content, which is very nice to be honest. And I, of course, own this game, 
So yeah, so it's safe to say that this DLC is going to make you go back and play uh, the newer version as well. Yeah, sure. I'm going to test it out. I already have like a lot of play time on Binding of Isaac. I've played well over 100 hours. Uh, so I've, I've played that game a lot. So basically, for those of you who don't know, it's um, roguelites or almost roguelike um, experience where you, uh, with a very crazy story, crazy art style. <clears throat> uh, I can try to summarize. So basically, Isaac is a naked little boy living with his mother and it the game has a very bible uh, christianity themed uh, story mm-hmm. and his mother is compelled by god to uh, kill isaac just one day she gets it in her head that he is the you know sinful child and uh must be must be removed so what isaac does is he he jumps into a hidden latch or cellar in his room that he suddenly finds when his mother is trying to kill him. Uh, and he jumps down and there's a dungeon below. And this dungeon just, you know, keeps going on and on through different levels. And in the dungeons, you find items, power-ups, the, uh, you know, it's uh, you can find more life and stuff like that. It's kind of RPG-ish, <clears throat> but it's very random. And some items are almost useless or can even be negative. And some are really OP and they synergize. And it's, you know, the humor in the game is very <laughs> grotesque. And uh, yeah, the, the enemies are like aborted fetuses <laughs> of Isaac's mother. Yes. That kind of, yeah, they kind of wander about. And there's living poop and uh, living blood clots and stuff like that. And fistulas it's all very gooey and icky <laughs> and flies of course loads and loads of flies <laughs> so yeah and it's it's a very fun game. and you can it can be really really hard you kind of shoot isaac's tears because he's he's constantly crying so that's his weapon mm-hmm. yeah and uh you can augment the tears. They can become blood tears. It can become, you know, you can shoot lasers. <laughs> One item is like your tears can charge into a laser instead of like uh, shooting out like a machine gun uh, and do like massive damage, but you have to charge it up, um, <laughs> for instance. And another item is basically just a pure laser. Uh, you can get range increase, damage increase for your tears. Uh, increased interval f- or like uh, yeah more more tears per per minute uh, yeah it's it's like crazy there's so many items insane and some synergize so like the um, uh, can yeah you can get something called chocolate milk <laughs> and then you shoot chocolate milk tears like brown chocolate tears <laughs> and that can you know and then you can get uh, I think there's like a, a, a Cyclops item, which makes Isaac's, uh, you, you get like one huge eye instead of two normal eyes. And then you can get like an insane, huge, uh, you know, droplet out of your eye, which is also chocolate. You know, it synergizes with the chocolate upgrade. So you can kind of do like one of those um, optimal build runs kind of thing. Yeah. Insane replayability. If you haven't played Binding of Isaac, I absolutely and you like roguelike styles with exploration and, and 
like you can play this game over and over and over and over. <clears throat> and the the way the game progresses is that when you there are bosses uh, every third level, I think, and um, the every third level the the kind of setting changes and you go deeper, deeper and deeper and deeper, and and you can unlock new depths, so to say, by playing the game in different ways and beating it in a certain way, and you know, yeah. So there there are a lot of secrets in the game. And that that sounds like a huge recipe for one of those infinitely replayable games. That's what it basically is. It's like designed to be played over and over and over and over and have fun each time. And you get really pissed off if you like got a good run where you have a lot of upgrades and got far and you know you can be killed by insanely trivial enemies or <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, and uh, it's like the, the game is so creative for instance you can get a trade with the devil in some secret rooms and a trade can be like remove two of your hearts basically like permanently remove uh hearts to gain some kind of power and then you you can you know be really really powerful but you can only take one hit right stuff like that so you can do like a trade-off and you can do a trade-off the other way to you you can kind of decrease in power and speed to gain more health what's your expectation for the dlc though okay so it's named repentance (laughs) i mean everything is uh basically bible or christian themed um and there are uh, i I don't quite know i mean it could be anything but it's probably going to be you know, something along the lines of uh, a punishment for Isaac, you know, <laughs> uh, because that's the, that's kind of the theme of the whole game. Isaac is running from his mother who's trying to kill him <clears throat> and and all the her aborted fetuses and poops and stuff like that. Yeah. And apparently the, the trailer has a lot of hidden secrets in it, too, because there's a quote that says, like, the amazing trailer was done by Alex Hicks and is packed to the brim with nods to the past, present, and future. It all it just all depends on how wide your eyes are when watching and if you have an IQ over, like, 340. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can, I'm watching it right now. It features, like, a lot of items from the game. If you've played it a lot, you'll recognize the items. And you, you kind of even recognize uh some things that yeah that are <laughs> very obscure yeah yeah so basically oh my god yeah it's a really it's a really good trailer getting me hyped so yeah the the thing is that the um, items and power-ups you get you never you don't know what they do and you you only get the name when you when you acquire it so you kind of have to explore and that's also part of the game so the trailer is really good. It basically teases in a million different ways if you play the game a lot. All right. So well, yes, yeah, maybe I'll check, check it, it out. It out. Mm-hmm. You should. I'm, all, I'm I... already looking into um, quite a few of the indie games and like more roguelike lighty games that are on Game Pass. <clears throat> Shameless Game Pass plug again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because like they have all the Ori games, they have Hollow Knight, they have dead cells and those things 
So you know, I'm, 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 I've been like close to pressing download on pretty much all of them, but I haven't gotten that far just yet because I recently got back into Yakuza Like a Dragon because I didn't have time to finish it before Cyberpunk came out. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I think Like a Dragon is one of my absolute top games of the year for last year. Yeah. It was just such a great game. Um, yeah. And I, I warmly recommend it. Even if it, if you haven't had any experience with the Yakuza games before, just like it's a new, basically a new entry point and it has a lot of nods uh, for longtime fans, but it's a good way for for new people to enter the series as well. I mean, you have a lot of that as one of your absolute favorites for a long time. So, yeah. That one and Ghost of Tsushima were probably my two favorite games of, of last year. You heard it here first, boys and girls and everybody. So, with that, I think we're we're done for uh, for today. Remember to stay human and stay, and stay dead. dead.